0: Well, here it is, the top of the hour, and I want to welcome you all to the Pit Stop, your fortnightly midweek rest area to refuel your drive. I'm Karen Cummins. I'm an audiobook narrator and chief cartographer for NarratorsRoadmap.com, and your host for Pit Stop, and with me in the co-pilot seat is my good friend and award-winning audiobook narrator, Anne Flosnick, who hosts the Narrator Uplift Show on Clubhouse. So how are you today, Anne?
1: Wonderful, thank you, Karen. Very excited to be here with you and Melissa.
0: Yes, and every other Wednesday, we'll be getting together to talk with audiobook narrators who do more than narrate, and they'll pull into the pit stop, and they are sure to inspire you to follow your interests and use all of your talents and gifts. And I want to let everybody know this conversation is being recorded, so you'll be able to re-listen or catch parts you missed. And I'm just so excited to be here, and I appreciate you all joining us. Today, I'm thrilled we're going to be talking with audiobook narrator and Certified life coach, Melissa Moran. Melissa is an accomplished audiobook narrator with over 300 titles, and she's been an Audi and Voice Arts Award finalist and a winner of an Audiophile Magazine Earphones Award. Before her narration career, Melissa enjoyed 20 years in the radio industry and has won a Country Music Award and Academy of Country Music Award. For best on-air personality in the media market. When she's not behind the mic, you can find her on stage, in front of a camera, creating art, or on a Zoom call with a life coaching client. Yep, she is a certified life coach, and that's a big reason I wanted to talk with her. And if you're going to APAC in March in New York City, look for Melissa as a panelist in the session called Read Our Reviews, Maintaining Your Mental Health in an Isolating Career. She and the other speakers will provide tips and tricks to avoid negative thought spirals as well as a perspective for those struggling to break into steady work. That sounds like a great panel right there.
2: Mm.
0: Melissa lives in Central Florida with her husband, her 10-year-old son, and a dog and a cat. So welcome, Melissa. I am so thrilled you're here, so excited we finally get to uh, to talk. So you were in radio before you were an audiobook narrator. How did that happen? How did you, or, or did you just go from radio to narration? Tell us what you were doing before you were a narrator.
3: Yeah. Okay. So I originally went to school, college um, for film and animation um, straight out of high school, because I, I thought that's what I wanted to do. Like, on paper i really enjoyed drawing and i loved watching movies and i was like put the two together what do you got animation uh, yeah. so i went to school for that and i didn't realize how tedious it was and how much i didn't want to do that as a career so <laughs> whoops um so i uh left after a year and i i noticed that while i was working or not working on projects, I was procrastinating usually, I would always have this great Philadelphia radio on. And it just dawned on me one day that I could do that. Why not? And when I went back home after my failed year of art school, I got an internship at a radio station and I just kind of went from there and I kept getting jobs and jobs and jobs, moving around living a sort of you know gypsy life uh, up and down the east coast and eventually one of my colleagues in my now final um job as an on-air personality one day he mentioned to me have you ever thought about audiobooks and being a narrator because he knew that i really enjoyed theater and I knew how to work the equipment. Um, you know, I knew how to edit and work the mic. So he said, "What about that?" And I have to say, I had never listened to an audiobook before. <laughs> and I thought, "Okay, well, let me listen to one and see what it's all about." And my first listen was the beautiful and lovely and talented Tanya Eby, and I always remind her of that. And I thought, wow, this people do this, (laughs) this is awesome. And I started narrating and it, it was so funny because I started in my like production room of the radio station because there was a mic and there was a computer. It was all right there to me at the time. So that was my unfair advantage, you know, if you will, getting into the industry. And I started off with a children's book, and then I moved on to romance and, um, spicy romance. And it got to the point where I was really uncomfortable doing some of the books I was doing in a public space so that I inevitably got the equipment in my own home. And that's, that's how it all started. So how long were you doing that
0: concurrently you were so you were still working at radio right and then you were doing audiobooks at the station how long did that last
3: yeah i started my first book was in 2014 and you know like i said i started out in the production room and it it took me probably i don't know four to six months to really say okay like this could be something so then I bought the equipment, set up something small in my bedroom. It, I mean, it would be embarrassing to show you what I was using back then, but it worked. And I decided in 2017 that I would officially go full time. And what that looked like was because I enjoyed a 20 year career in radio. So that was my life. and also at the time I had a five-year-old. So to go from what some would say, I know radio is not considered a stable job, but I also worked for a family-owned radio station. So it was really a steady job for me. Um, You would basically have to punch the manager in the face to get fired at that place. So um, I wasn't going anywhere if I didn't want to. So I always told myself if it ever got to the point where I outbooked my radio job, like I literally couldn't do both. Um, I, I would then leave my radio job and it all came to kind of a crescendo when I went to my first APAC um, Audio Publishers Associati- Association Conference in New York City in 2017 and I met publishers and I met people from the community from all over the place and it 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 was like I met my tribe like I finally met my people and it was at that point where I was like okay this is it and (laughs) making the leap wasn't easy still because I still had to go to my boss and say hey I'm leaving you after 10 years at this station um well you could have just punched him (laughs) I and mean, <laughs> that would have been easy out. <laughs> he was a nice guy. Um, but, but yeah, it, that was hard. And it was l- like jumping off a cliff. But here I am and I have zero regrets. Well, that's the best part. And th-
0: the thing is now you are doing life coaching too. And so, so you were you were narrating and then when did you get the bug about life coaching and how did that come about
1: mm.
3: that was in i would say it started in the spring of 2020 so we all know what happened in 2020 um and i i think it was it, it was a bunch of things um that had to happen um Well, first of all, I want to say that I've always loved self-development and motivational speakers, you know, the Tony Robbins, the Mel Robbins, the, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, there are a million I can't think of right now. Marie Forleo. I loved reading the books and watching the YouTubes and it was always something I had enjoyed. Um, but I, I think in 2020 it was, the lack of the, the human touch, the the communication, the confusion, the people just need to be heard. Um, the the high stakes emotions and trauma we were all going through at that time that made me realize that connection was the most important thing. And I believe we already do that as narrators. Um, we, we are storytellers, which is the high, in my opinion, it's the highest form of art, um, you can, you can perform. So it made sense to, to make that switch. And there were other personal things in my life that were going on, where I started to really question how i was starting or how i was listening to people was i really listening was i wrapped up in my own world and there's nothing wrong with that we're all wrapped up in our own worlds but but i think there's no greater gift than really listening to someone and so i kind of put all those things together and I found this thing that people did called life coaching and it blew my mind. (laughs) I knew about the motivational speakers, but I didn't know you could do that with it, like on a one-on-one basis. So yeah, it just kind of broke open this new world, um, that I became obsessed with and, and eventually became that. Well, you, you had some sort of official training
0: and curriculum. And because Mm -hmm. I know you said you're a certified, Life coach. So, who does that certification, and what was the training like? And I guess even backing up before that, I mean, I love self-development. I'm, I look at these things, and what made you want to develop that interest further into something that is actually now a second career?
3: Oh, hmm, what was it that made me want to? taken on actually as a career well yeah because i suppose you know you could just be a good listener <laughs> you know you you could use what you learn and you could improve your own life you could become a better wife a partner a mother a, a family member a friend um which is great and i think the reason why i chose to do it as a career was because in addition to all of those things, I saw that a lot of people in my own community, in the narrator community, and voiceover and beyond, um, were were struggling with a lot of things also. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I can help them. <laughs> so to, to turn it into a career, I, I don't know, I, I suppose it just kind of made sense to offer it up to other people. And in terms of the training, I went through, it was like, a an eight month training and you learn a lot of the, the technical things. Um, because I know a lot of people are concerned about, well, is this therapy? And like, it is not, um, we, we learn what is coaching and what is not. We, um, understand what we need to do. Uh, if if those lines are crossed by the client, unawares. Um, and we know how to direct that conversation. Um, so there are ethical things you learn. Um, you also do a lot of one on one coaching within the group. Um, there are tools and methods you learn. Um, and, and that being said, I think Coaches are also, you can be a coach without the training. You could just be a super curious um, listener um, and know what to look for and the right questions to ask to get someone to the point of transformation. I think there's a lot of um, intuitive work that goes into it as well. So it's really just learning what to do, what not to do. And and then it's all hands-on after that point. I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> okay? Well, you're the guest. We want you to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, 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 okay.
0: <laughs> That's why we're asking you the questions so you will okay. talk a
3: lot.
0: <laughs> I'm like, me, 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 yes. Well, thank you, Karen. You know, I'm always curious about signposts that people get along the way, like, you know, how long did it take you to realize this was a thing and you were going to do it? Because I think a lot of times our own inhibitions hold us back or we think, well, what will they think about us? Or,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. we allow
0: things to hold us back and maybe miss out on doing something we would really like to do. So did you have those kind of moments? Like, did you have some time between the time the idea came to you and the time you actually
3: took action toward fulfilling it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still having those moments. (laughs) So, um, of course. So I I think when you're offering something like this or like whatever you're pursuing that's new to you, there's always this initial excitement that goes into wow, like think of all the possibilities I could, I could take this and I could really help people. And maybe this will lead to public speaking. And, you know, how can I work this into my career? But, you know, how how can this thing grow? And so you get so excited. And then you learn the things. And, and then comes the point where you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm that now I know the things. So how do I tell people this is what I do? (laughs) Without sounding um, like, hi, I'm no longer a narrator. Now I'm doing this. Like, that was my fear. Like, you can do both, right? Um, then there's the who does she think she is? Because I I think there's a lot of like misinformation, um, and a lot of bad coaches out there. uh, That people don't necessarily take it seriously or they think it's a scam or they think it's unnecessary or they think it's people pretending to be therapists. You know, there's all of this external stuff that you think about, that you think people are thinking about you. But what you wanna ask yourself instead is, how can I help the person like, how can I talk to the person who really just needs help? Like they just really want to talk to someone about this and I can offer that to them. So it becomes less of a, how how do I do this? And like, how can I help you? If that makes sense. Um, because when you're not making it about yourself and you're just Offering a, a empathetic ear, um, those worries tend to disappear a little bit. So yeah.
0: Obviously, Anne, jump in here anytime you want. I don't want to monopolize all the questions.
1: Oh. I was just going to say, Melissa, I have listened to, I think, hi there, most of your um, podcasts, and I got the impression from when you kind of spoke about this issue on those that really you're listening kind of thing, and then usually the the querient has the answer within themselves. Is that kind of on the right lines? Awesome. The, y- yes, you always
3: have the answer. So I, I think one of the misconceptions about, a life coach is that we're there to dole out advice and and that couldn't be further from the truth um you as the client or whoever is the client has everything they need inside themselves no one knows you better than you so who am i to say (laughs) this is what you need to do um a, a life coach is a mirror you know to put it plainly and simply um and just asking the right questions, like how, like, I'll ask you, how many times have you just been in a conversation with someone and something came out of your mouth that you're like, huh? I didn't realize I thought that." <laughs> right? <laughs> Is that, huh? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's like speaking the things out loud carries so much truth. It's like, it's crazy. Um, so yes, people, have all of that inside of them and it's it's just knowing the right questions to ask
0: right Mm-hmm.
3: and that's so true what you just said and so many times I've been saying
0: something to Drew or Ann or another friend and then it's like I've solved my own problem because yeah as you're saying just because I was mulling it through out loud to somebody who was interested in what I had to say helped me channel that energy and focus in the right direction and come up with the answer I was looking for. And it is, it's freaky how much that happens. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And it's just, it, it's having that conversation because generally what, what we do is we like we're all living inside our heads and we have 60,000 million, whatever thoughts a day. And so you could have a moment of truth for sure. <laughs> at any given point of the day, but then your thoughts will, will just absolutely destroy whatever truth you, you came up with in that moment. Um, so, and, and so I think when you're speaking with someone, you're speaking those thoughts in real time and we're there to challenge you. Like, how true is that? Does that thought serve you? Um, or is that, is that a thought you want to think, you know, are you being kind to yourself? Um, because our, our brains are liar, like McLiar pants. And, and it's nice to have someone point that out every now and then.
0: And one thing that I'm really curious about is how you divide your time between being a narrator and being a life coach, because obviously your clients on either side of that, events are not going to coordinate your time for you and they could both be equally demanding so how do you make that happen
3: yeah um so i have you know a, a calendar set up um where where people can choose the times but but based on the availability that i have because as a narrator of course you know If you have an eight-hour book it's impossible to do an eight-hour book in four hours so so you want to make sure that you've allotted yourself um a, a good amount of time to do what you need to do during the day stick to that plan as much as you can and anything outside of that i can make myself available and i say that with the um with knowing that my kid now is 10. So I can schedule hours when he's home. Um, Back in the day, I I couldn't do that. So as he gets older, I have a little bit more freedom. um, When I'm not in the booth, which is nice. As long as he's on his computer, he's good to go. But (laughs) that being said, I, I do make sure I, I give my family my um, as as much time as I can. So yeah, when everyone's in school and working, those are my narration hours because it's the absolute quietest time. And then outside of that, I can, I can coach.
1: What would you say would be, I know it's kind of like how long is a piece of string, but for the average person both to open up to what their issues may be to themselves and to you and to get some kind of direction, what would the kind of average be, Melissa? Hmm. That is a long string. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: wait. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it depends. Because listen, I mean, you could come to me and we could have an hour conversation. And you could get transformation in one conversation. Mm-hmm. You could, you could say something that absolutely blows your own mind, that that helps that situation in the moment um and and then at that point if if it's one issue you came to me with <laughs> then then it could it could be as quick as that however it's the maintenance of of that thought that's important right uh-huh. so as an example um i'm not using names because <laughs> uh-huh. you know privacy um but but there was someone that came to me and said i I really just wanna rid the need of external validation. Yes. And I remember like we all have that problem, I think. Problem oh, in quotation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we're we're um, actors. I mean
1: that's <laughs> a baseline problem.
3: <laughs> yeah. And and I I think the what the transformation was in that conversation, and it was just one question, was why is external validation bad? Hmm. And and I think just because we all have an idea of like, what's bad, what's good, I'm wrong for thinking this, I'm shaming myself for this. What if it wasn't bad? I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with needing or like wanting external validation. Uh-huh. It's, it's the needing, you know, in order to feel good about your work, um, but it's easy to confuse the two, I think. So sometimes it's just one question. And like, I remember seeing this person's face like, huh, uh, it's not bad. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, it could be as simple as that, that kind of opens up possibilities. And that's, that's really the key is just knowing that you have, Choices of of how to think of something. Yes. So yeah. And I love what you
0: said about the maintenance of the thought, because like when I've had conversations with people, and I'm always talking about thinking better thoughts, and I have to be vigilant about what I'm writing and saying and speaking, because it can be very easy to get into a negative spiral, which is why I think your panel at APAC is going to be a fantastic success and well attended but it's it's so hard to maintain that thought it's hard to maintain that level of where i want to be and it just requires for like i say for me constant vigilance so i love that you you said that
3: that it's not just having the thought it's the maintenance of that thought yeah it it is you know because and i think that's why um I don't necessarily offer like one off, um, sessions because you can, you can have that like, oh, oh, okay. I don't have to make myself wrong for that. Okay. Done. But then it's, you know, other thoughts come in to replace that. So it it is like, it is, it's like a part-time job to manage your mind. But I, but I think to, to ease up on that a little bit, because it, it just sounds like so much work and it doesn't have to be, you just have to be mindful of your thoughts and just not believe them. Um, the ones that don't serve you, you know, you just have to constantly remind yourself like that. Nope, that's not true. Nope. That's not true. Um, yeah. So it is like staying on top of it and just knowing to catch yourself if you are spiraling, which, which again is difficult because when you're self-employed and you're working from home, like we do, you don't always have that person to check in with, like, you know, this is how I'm feeling right now. Um, And sometimes you don't, even though you have people, they're not necessarily the support you need in that moment. Um, So it's, it's knowing how to, like, be gentle with yourself that's that's key.
0: And I want to ask you also, do you have – because you're talking about help. So that brings to mind, do you have an assistant or some other kind of help, whether, you know, somebody like a virtual assistant or somebody physically? And, and if you do, how did you decide you needed help, and how did you – acquire the right people, acquire is not the right word, but you know what I mean, hire yeah. the right people. Acquire <laughs> is not totally the wrong word, but how did you find <laughs> the right people to help for the situations you needed?
3: I, no, I actually don't have any kind of assistant, um, just because, I mean, I there are ways to, like, automate some things, um, I think as far as scheduling goes. I When I first started out, it was very, like, Oh, you want to schedule a session? Um, and then it would just be a back and forth, like how's Friday at 2:15?" No. Um, so there are apps for that, you know, so I, I just use. Calendly or whatever to schedule and they send out automated reminders to clients. Um, so I don't necessarily have to stay on top of that. So that does make my life easier. Um, just making use of the technology that's available is helpful because like there are so many days I when this is getting into a dangerous territory. <laughs> I don't mean this when I say this, but sometimes you wish you could just clone your voice. So like, like, I don't feel like narrating today. I need to do this. So <laughs> I just clone my voice and get that done. That's not possible. At least for now. Um, but yeah, like, well, it th- wouldn't there's... make the acting choices you do. So <laughs>
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> um,
3: but yeah, I, like a lot of what we do and what I do is so like one on one. And so just like in getting in the dirt. Um, I don't know if I said that right. Just I, I mean, like gardening, <laughs> planting the seeds. Planting <laughs> I, don't <mean> seeds. Like, <laughs> I don't mean like going through people's dirts. That's I, I want to be careful about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so one-on-one it's, it's hard to like get assistance for certain things, but you know, maybe, maybe I can, um, explore more positive possibilities with that too. So, yeah. And, and as if you're
0: not already doing enough in your life between being a
3: narrator and
0: being a life coach and a mom, a wife, a friend, and all those other roles, I, I see now you're in a, play, you're you're actually physically in a play and then you're also doing uh photography for your chamber of commerce and I mean I'm I'm really interested in how, how you know what's an average day for you? How do you split that up? I mean if you're gonna clone anything you might need to clone yourself to be in multiple places at the same time.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I could ask the same of you, you know, you have this wonderful website and you blog and you narrate. And so listen, I think the way we are as, as multi-passionate entrepreneurs, we're, we're always seeking out like artistic, fulfilling projects we can do that keep things interesting, um, that feed our, our creative side. Like as much as I, love narration. And I consider that like my number one career. Um, it, I, I don't think I could rely on just that to sort of feed the creative monster. Like you also want to get out and well, at least for me, um, and do a, a play. And I think for me, the dangerous part is that if <laughs> I have no filter. So if I, I was on Facebook, one day. And I, I was scrolling. And these auditions come up for this play like a month from now. And I was like, Oh, you know, I haven't done a play in like a year. And then my my um, fantasies start going in my head. I'm like, what if I got a part? That would be fun. I don't know. I could like make some friends and like you think of all the possibilities of this, this thing. And it's, it's basically done. Like I knew as, as soon as I got excited about it, I was like, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> so, it's it's that initial excitement that I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm doing this now. <laughs> well, I, I was going to key on that because that
0: excitement pulls you along. I mean, you, you mentioned me as an example, but see, I have a help. Drew helps me with the website and he directs my narration. So He's fully involved in all parts of my business. And plus, I'm sitting in my house. I'm not going out to a theater. I'm not going out to the Chamber of Commerce. I'm not out and about. All of this activity is just taking place in the house. And so that's why I was curious. And I really admire what you're doing. But I love what you're saying about that, that flash of excitement that comes to you. And and it kind of pulls you along. And that's how you know it's for you. And I guess it's hard for me to know when is this just an interest, a mild interest that's going to go away? Or how do I make something bigger of it? Or does it want to be something
3: bigger? And is is that something you can speak to? Sure. And I also want to acknowledge that you totally, like, dismissed yourself through that whole thing. Um, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll, listen. So <laughs> I appreciate
0: you saying that, but i, I it, it's not that I'm being dismissive. It's just that it is a totally different situation because you're out and about doing all these things that require you alone to do them. So going back to the question of how do <laughs> you know it's not just a, a – simple little interest and it's going to work into something more
3: yeah so with the play um I I realize it's a commitment and that the initial excitement might wane as we're approaching you know tech week or like things get hard I know um however I I've had experience enough on stage where I realize okay but once you do that first show like it's it all it's such a payoff, like, you'll be glad you did this. So I can, I can work that out in my brain. Like when it gets hard, I know that there's, there's that satisfying, like reward at the end. Um, so when it comes to other interests, like so <laughs> this photography thing, like came out of nowhere. First of all, I, I do want to mention that I use photography very uh, flippantly. I am a complete amateur. I, I just got a nice camera and now I'm like, I want to do all the things. I want to take all the pictures. So. I, I lost you. Are you still there?
0: Or is it me who's lost?
1: I hear you, Karen. Oh, thank you, Anne. Well, Melissa, now you're the on mic's mute. off. Yeah.
3: There amateur or semi-pro or pro photographer
1: who's available
3: <laughs> Saturday. And I, I didn't even think about it. I was like, um, and I'm raising my hand because I don't know, I guess I just saw it as a sign and I'm like, well, maybe this is something to explore. So I guess when, when you don't have a clear end, like you don't have a clear goal in sight, that's where it gets a little like, where could this go? Where do I want this to go? I don't know. In this case, like of it being just a fun little thing I'm doing. It's okay if it fizzles out, I have no attachment to like one day being the next whatever famous photographer. Um, So I'm just gonna let it ride and see what happens. Um, And if, if things start moving in the direction of like, well, maybe this is something like this, this could be another passion, then what, I, you know, again, it goes back to being, a, a creative freelancer and having that entrepreneur heart, the challenge comes in of, okay, how, how many things can you physically do? You don't have to turn everything into a career. Like that could be a hobby. <laughs> and that's okay. Not everything has to be monetized. Just because you enjoy something doesn't mean you should turn it into a business. Um Well, that's a th- These are the comment things I right have to there. constantly <laughs> remind myself. Um and the things that are truly meant for you, you will you will want, you have a deep desire to continue doing it until you don't. <laughs> so, there's just so much beauty in the world and why would you uh keep yourself from doing those things now you also have to you know keep your family in mind your loved ones in mind you you don't you know i mean you can do whatever you want but i personally want to give my time and attention to them first and foremost so i think anything that satisfies me creatively while also maintaining balance in my home is is what really uh, is what i really value in life so um it's it's knowing where to where to pull back and when to pull back that's the challenge did any of that make sense well yeah it does i mean i I feel that
0: way. Anne, has this happened with you? where you? Oh, I can't get a... hear
3: you for some reason. Oh, well. Uh... Oh, okay. Hold on. My volume went down. <laughs> okay. I
2: was, I'm, I'm I sorry. Was
3: Could you
0: I relate very much to what you, you were saying, and I wondered, Anne, if this has happened with you where you get this spark of an idea, and then you're like, well, I just have to keep, seeing what happens here.
1: Yes, but not to the same way that Melissa does. I sense it, and I admire you very greatly, Melissa. Um, I sense a fearlessness in you because I know for me, when I have, um, you know, an audiobook, there's an awful echo. So um, I'm distracting myself, hearing myself. But when, once I have that audiobook, that's my commission. And it's like... Uh, the port goes down and that's all i focus on until i get to the end of that and then i'll look up again up for air and see what's going on in the in the world but i admire that you have a, a much broader focus than i have developed well i i can
3: say that i don't i don't know that it's a a, a fearlessness i think it's just um I don't know what word to put on it but I it, uh to turn that around also admire how you can put your focus on one thing and give that your 100,000%. Um but that's not to say like look when I'm in the booth and I'm narrating something that has my complete and utter mm-hmm. attention. I'm not doing like you know I'm not emailing clients on the side or like like that yeah. is for sure that that's my attention. But to me like I admire that discipline that it takes. And you know, the, the balancing act with being like multi-passionate and doing a million things is you're always thinking that you're sacrificing one thing over another, like, Mm -hmm. because I'm doing this, is this, um, hurting my chances of, of, you know, Potentially um, raising my, do you know? I'm losing my words. Karen, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's an opportunity oh. cost. Yeah. That
0: yeah. if I'm doing this, then I can't be doing that at the same time, mm-hmm. and so you have to weigh your opportunity cost.
3: Yeah, but but do you? I guess is is the question that I have to ask myself and. And put this out to you. I I think yes. If if you are focused on one thing, you will excel at a much greater pace than I ever would when I'm doing a a couple of different things. And that is something Mm -hmm. that I I wish I could do.
1: (laughs) Well, Um, not necessarily, Melissa, because kind of fact, my world shuts down, whereas yours is 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 opening up, which kind of has to feed your artistic, you know, all your artistic bits. And um, no, I, I honestly, I do admire that openness that you have.
3: Oh, thank you. I well, I love you. <laughs> 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 we, we all love each other and what you we do. do. I mean, yeah, I, but I just feel like, yeah, there, there is the question of, is this suffering because I'm doing this? And I just think that you... You can give yourself permission to do whatever you want, and you can put your 100% into what you're doing at that time. Uh Um, And and I don't think you should feel bad about it. You know, Um, if if you lose. okay. so I think in a case where you actually start losing jobs because you're missing deadlines and that's that's where you need to have like a come to Jesus with yourself and, and ask yourself, is this Okay, so what do I really want? You know, what is the end goal here? Mm-hmm. And if if I'm missing out on gigs or missing deadlines, is that because I, I want, is this not for me? Or do I need to sacrifice this um, over here so I can really start focusing on what's important?
1: Yeah. Right, right. And when you have a book, do you, is that your, you, your, you're doing all these other things, but how much time... Per day, would you say you spend on the book, and then include the other things as well?
3: I have quiet time when my kid is in school and my husband is a school teacher, so um, mm-hmm. mostly I I'm in the booth from like 9:30 a.m. to about 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. So i listen. I in the beginning I put a lot of pressure on myself because. It was always said that a professional narrator can get two hour two finished hours per day and mm-hmm. for me like i i'm a slow narrator just i don't know why it takes a lot for me to hit one hour um like like i would need to for every one hour i'm in there three like mm-hmm. i was never a two to one right mm-hmm. Yep. so i had to be honest with myself and say, do I want to be a two-hour narrator, two-hour, two a day narrator, which is going to put me in that booth at least six hours, or do I accept my quote-unquote limitations? It's not. It's just what no. I It's how I work. Mm-hmm. Do I accept that and schedule around that? And so in the end, I was like, you know what? One hour a day. That's what I can do.
1: Right. No, that's exit because it's all about to thyself be true, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you live your life, and and that's perfect.
3: Yeah, and I've I've never shamed anyone for doing for being less than that. Three and a half hours to one, four hours to one, whatever Mm. gets the job done, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. I
0: I love
3: hearing that too. Is I
0: I could do two, and one day I actually did two and a half, and that was like a banner day. But (laughs) more typically. it's an hour and on this last book some days it was just 30 minutes and it's it's not just me because like I said Drew's working with me and so he has some things scheduled and then our little dog is at a senior citizen now and he's needing more accommodation and so that time has been fluctuating downward for me and and I did feel bad about it like well I'm just not getting much done this book is taking forever and so it's so refreshing to hear you acknowledge that that you do what you can do and then that's the best you could do and you can't
3: expect any more of yourself than that. It's to just do your best. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think if you push yourself, um, you know, things are gonna maybe the the work is starting to suffer, your voice is going out or or whatever. Um I mean you could always work on productivity? um, What can you do to improve if if you want to, like, if you want to work up to that two hours a day, if you really feel that's important, because I also want to acknowledge that we all have different financial situations, family situations, where sometimes, like, we can't just do one hour a day, we need to get those hours done so we can get paid, (laughs) right? So, you know, Fortunately, I'm in a position where I, c- I can comfortably do one hour a day as long as I have like X amount of books a month and so many hours a month, as long as I can get paid on based on that, I'm good. But depending on you know where you live, what your situation, you need to do more than that. And, you know, at that point, it's just knowing what you have to do to get there. And our time together is
0: coming to a close, and I just want to encourage people. I know Anne has been posting in the chat that if you want to talk with Melissa, come on up. You just have to raise your hand in the app. So I did want to put that out there one more time. But uh, in the meantime, I have a couple of questions for you in what I call the pit stop hot seat.
2: Okay.
0: The, <laughs> the first one, and this is one of my favorite questions of all time, is, what is your most trivial, useless, or flat out counterproductive superpower?
3: <laughs> trivial counterproductive superpower. Ah, uh, give me an example. Like what would yours be? Well mine is that I can
0: hear music playing in a store before Drew even knows and I can name that tune before Drew even knows there's music playing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. I mean it it doesn't help anybody, but it it's definitely a thing I do.
3: Um ah oh, gosh. Um I can um Well maybe I'll give you
0: an easier question. If, <laughs> yes, if you maybe you don't want your superpowers known. Uh but here's here's <laughs> one that you might think is easier. If you went into the witness protection plan, what identity would you like to assume? And
3: for you, this might not be as easy a question as I thought. <laughs> oh, so I've always had this weird obsession with um, like Uma Thurman, like uh, a la Kill Bill, um, motorcycle chick, um, kind of bad A, you know, I I've always had this secret desire to be like this killer not not literally but like (laughs) like i could fight you you know kind of personality um even to the point where this was in i want to say it was in 2014 my life was in an upheaval in 2014 but i took motorcycle lessons and the first time i got out on the road and i was actually licensed totaled the bike got a rod in my leg (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Thank God for helmets. That's all I have to say. Wow! I will never get on a bike again, but I just to prove that I have that in me that I have a strong desire to be a biker girl. It's just, I can't do it.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe you should look at scooters.
3: I think even, you know, anything motorized, I think I'm just going to have to avoid. Like, I don't even know how I have a driver's license.
0: Well, I I had a scooter for uh, a little bit, and I loved the look of them, and Drew taught me to ride it. He's had a motorcycle for a long time, and and I don't really like riding with him because he goes fast, and it's not that he goes fast, but it it scares me. Yeah. Because I can't see what's coming, and the motorcycle's loud and everything, but I love the scooter, and he taught me how to ride it, but when I actually took it out on the road by myself people didn't respect me they passed me on the right in my own lane and, and that scared me too and and really I'm just not an outdoorsy girl unless I'm in the pool or by the pool and so we sold the scooter but I still yeah. have a fondness for them and but I don't know that it quite meets with your bad girl image of, you know that you'd be on
3: a twist and go scooter <laughs> yeah it's kind of anticlimactic a little bit but you know no i i see people on scooters and i think like maybe but i think my husband would kill me and honestly i know i shouldn't either so well and what i've got one
0: more little question for you what fictional character do you wish was real and why
3: fictional character um goodness any like any of the marvel superheroes goodness um no that goes with your bad girl image doesn't I, it <laughs> <laughs> what is going on today yeah um or anything like magical like i'm trying to think of like a, a female like a sorceress um because i i want to believe in magic so bad like I think it does exist in the world or that we, we have the ability. We just haven't figured it out. Like we just haven't unlocked that part of our brain yet.
1: In that vein, Melissa, what um, genre do you like doing most now? And maybe what one would you like to do more of to put that into the universe? Yeah,
3: I, I always love thrillers. I would love to do more of those. Um, and you know, I was, I was encouraged by a casting director. He said to me a a couple of months ago, you know, you should try nonfiction. Hmm. And when I think about it, I actually love listening to nonfiction and I just don't do it a lot. And I think it's just, I, I never really did that in my career. I don't put it out there that I want to do nonfiction and there's not a Hmm. lot on my Audible list. So I don't know. I think like fun nonfiction. And anything to do with mindset, of course, but most of those books are narrated by the authors themselves. So um, yeah, I don't know, maybe even more nonfiction.
1: That might be interesting. I think you'd be great at that, of course. Aww. Yeah. Thank you. So we'll have some magic going now. Woo <laughs> <laughs> woo. <Woo-hoo. laughs> well, we're coming up on the
0: End of our time. So I wonder, Melissa, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? Anything last thoughts?
3: Um gosh, that's wide open. I just I just like to remind myself every single day if I can, if I remember to, that A, everything is made up. (laughs) If you just woke up every day and thought everything is made up and and by that i mean like the thoughts in our head are all made up they're not necessarily true it's all made up rules are made up i don't know a couple of people got together and said these are the rules this is what we do they're all made up <laughs> um so i i say that to to say um whatever you want to do and whatever you want to tackle no one is saying you can't, like no one. And you don't actually need permission from anyone. You just, there's there, there are no rules. Everything is made up, just do what you want. And don't feel guilty about it. Don't judge yourself for it, even though we do anyway. Um, everything is made up. And and I guess my other one was just like, yeah, there, there are no rules. So if you think you can't do something because like A, B, C, eliminate those.
0: Those are great rules. I would maybe amend the one or ask if we could amend the one of do what you want to say as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. And I think that's what Oh, yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah. Don't don't. Yeah. (laughs) Don't hurt yours. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt others. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that.
0: But but I love those rules. And I love your view on how it's your thoughts and and how we're letting our thoughts control us and keep us from the good that's coming for us.
3: Yeah, it's um, if we didn't have like, just just think if you had no fear or like no self judgment or judgment of other people, like what do you think you could accomplish? And like, I have to remind myself of that every day because there are still a ton of things that I want to accomplish. And I'm like, eh. What are they going to think? You know, like we we had the conversation earlier of like, well, if she does this coaching, like people are going to think like I'm no longer a narrator or or okay, because I said like, oh, I guess I'm doing photography now or like, guess what? I'm a life coach and guess what? Here's a painting. Like. If you think people are confused, they're not. They're probably thinking, wow, that's so cool. That's just you saying you're confused.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a great point. And (laughs) any
0: any last thoughts or questions for Melissa? Uh,
1: Jennifer has one and I brought her up to the stage here. Is it another button to press or do you just go? Hey, yeah, I'm here. Hi Jennifer. Hi. Okay.
2: I just wanted I just wanted to say hi to Melissa because I don't think we've actually talked before, but, um, really, I know that we're coming to the end of the hour, but Melissa, I wanted to first thank you for the love letters idea. And I wanted to see if you could share a little bit about that, how you came up with that. And if you've ever, um, planned that before <laughs> or organized it before, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So thank you for that, by the way. Um, and I, I have a lot to say about
3: that. Um, this, this all goes into the, the thought work as well. So Jennifer brought up something called love letters. So I I'm part of a women's group. Uh, and, um, I, I don't know, I was walking my dog one day and I thought to myself, you know, it would be so cool to have, um, other people remind you of how beautiful and special and wonderful you are, because we often forget that. And like so many times, I see on social media, like someone posts a picture of flowers or chocolates or, or whatever they get in the mail from from a colleague or a loved one. And it like made their day like their week, their month, that someone else set aside the time to think of them and send them something like physical. And um, so I put together this love letters exchange. So kind of like a secret Santa where um, if you wanted to, you could be matched with a a fellow sister. It's a female only thing. And uh, it would be all anonymous. That sister who got you would then research you on social media or whatever they know about you. They would write you a physical, like an actual mail, love letter, love letter, quote unquote, basically how amazing you are and the light you shine upon the world. And you would get that letter in the mail. So, so I came up with this idea. I said, Hey guys, wouldn't it be cool? If dot, 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 everyone loved it. Um, so I start getting the, I had everyone send the letters to me cause it's all anonymous. They send the letters to me. And then I go and I distribute them to the recipients. <laughs> so I don't know if you're aware of this,
2: but narrators
3: are a little bit like, like you have to like wrangle cats, like it's herding cats. <laughs> so um, I, I got a book, bu- like so many. And there were there are like three or four letters I was missing. God love them. I mean, they, they have busy lives, stuff happens. I get it but there were three or four women who couldn't do it, which kind of like messes up the entire chain <laughs> because this person writes to this person, then this person, like it's, it's a chain. And so that kind of flipped me out and sent me into a panic. Um, and I'm currently still spinning in this panic because I've now had these love letters in my possession <laughs> for <laughs> a long time. And um, I'm, I'm getting ready to send them out this weekend. But because I thought to myself, I have to write these extra letters myself, because I couldn't get them from the people um, that sent me into a tailspin. And because it didn't work perfectly, and the way I wanted it to. And now I'm putting all of this on me. I haven't sent them out yet.
2: <laughs> so. Melissa, first of all, I wanted to say thank you again. Okay. I mean, that is so much work and also please don't feel bad. Um none of none of us are like expecting, you know, it to have done perfectly. I think just the thought it was so beautiful, and I thought I feel that everyone who wrote a letter, it was very therapeutic for us as well to write those letters. Oh, good. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. you know, I don't want you to feel bad, and I wish you didn't put it upon yourself to write the three that didn't that didn't come to you. Because I know there was a bunch of volunteers to do it. You know, I I wish you would have received those volunteers. I know, right? I know, right? And it's just. <laughs> Be, you know and then like again it's the thoughts
3: like but then you know I'm I'm giving them work and like I should have had this taken care
2: of but you are you're, already, yeah. you're like, already doing so much so much um I know it's something <laughs> that we have to practice but we do need to practice receiving right And, um, but yeah, yeah, and and if it's not too late, I I say, please ask for help because what you're doing is a beautiful thing and we don't want it all on your shoulders and we don't want this to be something stressful for you as well. But I just wanted from the bottom of my heart, Melissa, I just wanted to say thank you.
3: That's very lovely. I received that. Thank you so much.
2: (laughs) And I'm so glad you brought this up, Jennifer, because I missed
0: out on this completely this is the first I'm hearing about it. And <laughs> Melissa, I would love to write one of these letters for you. I would love to be one of the three missing people.
1: Oh, okay. You know, and I'll, I'll be another one. So you've got two now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's wonderful. A I wonderful, appreciate
0: that. It's inspiring and lovely idea. And I, I'm so glad you brought this up, Jennifer, because like I said, yeah. not, I didn't know anything about it. No. So yeah. you've got two volunteers right here. Do you need more?
3: I mean, like, maybe one more.
0: Serena Schull just said in the chat, I would love, I would write a love letter.
3: So I think you've got three. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. I'll be, yeah, message me or something, Serena.
0: Was this something you posted on, on your account on Facebook?
3: it was not i i can't like i don't want to say where um oh, okay but <laughs> okay <laughs>
2: yeah well, no because it's it's know, a, facebook, it's a private we, group we
0: don't know if, you know what they're going to show us or you know, there's so much stuff that people say and you never see it because facebook didn't deem it necessary for you to see so there's you know a lot of things we, and all these social media channels are the same way you don't necessarily see the whole picture from anybody
3: yeah but I'm, and I'm you so know
0: excited to hear about it now
3: Yeah, and I kept it to that group because it it was kind of like a a beta test of um, something that could be, um, you know, something big um, that I would love to develop further because I I think it is kind of a special idea. I don't think it's original. Um, I'm sure someone else has done it, but I just love the idea of women empowering and uplifting other women, and we just we need those reminders um and having something that you can hold in your hands and and just knowing that someone took the time to think of you uh is is so wonderful, so yeah, yeah may, maybe it's something to expand on but but I have to get over my crap first. well, you
0: might have to wait a little longer than this weekend now for the the three of us to uh... okay.
3: Get our, our well, you know, and people and were so generous because I like I was very upfront about it. I'm like, guys, this is what's happening. I'm so sorry. And people are like, you know, Valentine's Day coming up. I think if you waited until then, that would be the perfect time. And See, like, things happen uh... for a reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. So, yeah, yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's very exciting and it's a wonderful note to end on. If you Or Anne, have anything else to say? Now's your chance. Now's our audience's chance. Oh, Serena has, uh, I'll bring her up. She has uh, raised her hand. So, Serena, you'll have to unmute. There you go. Yeah, hi. No, I just simply raised my hand because um, I thought Melissa said something that I missed about being able to write a love letter or if we're going to do that, how it's going to happen or something. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, if there's a way to, to message me, I can give you um, more information about that. But, but I think like in the future, that would be an interesting thing to organize on a, on a wider scale. Um, Okay. But yeah, but I need to um, handle this in a smaller group (laughs) first Um, and, and just work out all the kinks, but no, I, I appreciate that question. Um, And yeah. And, I encourage you to, to even take that idea and bring it to your own, like, church group, women's group, whatever, um, and and use the heck out of it, because I think it's, it's something we could all use. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, Great. No, yeah. thank yeah. you. I just have a lot of noise here. Carpet's being put in. So oh, I'm just like missing part of it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hear thank you. you. Thank you.
3: As sirens go by. on my end (laughs) sorry
0: well it seems like we've come to the end of our time and it's time for everybody to get the show back on the road as they say so I'm going to wrap up today's pit stop but I want you to know the recording will be available on narratorsroadmap.com And I hope everyone in the audience will take another road trip with us in two weeks on February 1st when we'll be speaking with Sarah Puckett, who's the owner of Pink Flamingo Productions. In the meantime, I hope you all find joy in every journey and are living the life of your dreams. I want to thank again our marvelous guest, Melissa Moran, for this most interesting conversation. To my dear friend, Ann Flosnick, for your excellent questions and support and to all of you in the audience for spending time with us today. So thanks so much, and uh, have a great
1: afternoon.